Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Sermon series where we're looking at the appointed psalm for today. And today's is Psalm 84. So hear now God's word. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. O Lord, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat, lead pastor here at Orange, and it is good when we're able to be together, whether we are physically present or those that are worshiping with us online, especially as we're in this season. Uh, It seems like this never-ending season. I I was texting with someone this week, and I was once again drawn to that word that this just feels so unprecedented, and that is such a word that I hope I never get to use again. Uh, in a further in a future season, but uh, it is good that we're still able to be able to connect and uh, try to practice safe protocols together with one another. So thank you for being here and thank you for being a part of this time of worship. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy, into this place we have come. Into your presence we have drawn near. As we give thanks for the opportunity that we have to worship and to praise you. Lord, we give thanks for all of those that come together to make this happen. We thank you for all those servants that that serve you, whether it's through running the technology, participating in leading in music, even setting up chairs, welcoming people as they come through the door. Lord, all of this is for your glory. And so we offer all of this As a sacrifice of praise. And as we give unto you, we know that we can't outgive you, Father. As we give, we pray that you may give into us once again your your spirit, your presence, your word. And as we've heard your word read and now is to be proclaimed, we pray that it might be a word that, that fills us, renews us, and sends us out to carry your presence into the world. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively. 
as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Prior to coming to Orange, I served in the community of Goldsboro, North Carolina for about 11 years. I served seven and a half years at one congregation and then due to circumstances at another church where the pastor had died from cancer, I had been asked by the bishop to go and serve there. And so we spent a lot of time in that community. And if you've ever been in that part of eastern North Carolina, you may be aware that there is a small community nearby Goldsboro called, of all things, Eureka. Have you ever heard of Eureka? Anybody? Yeah, I see a few heads. I see a few heads doing this. And no, I'm not just making this up. I promise there is a place called Eureka. And not long after we had moved to Goldsboro, I was asked by the pastor of that church to come. And they were having a revival. Some of you may be familiar with a revival. Some may not be. A revival is simply a time of special services where they have a guest preacher typically come in to offer an uplifting, encouraging word to try to revive the spirits of those that are a part of that congregation. And so I was invited to go and speak at this revival in Eureka, at Eureka United Methodist Church. And so I had someone from the church who wanted to go with me, so they even drove me out there. I thought I was big time. I had a chauffeur going to Eureka. It was a good thing because I had no idea how to get out there. But sure enough, we get there to the church, and pulling up to the church, I had this sense of almost deja vu. I felt like, wow, this church really looks familiar. And I happen to know that across the state of North Carolina, there are a lot of churches that use some of the same building plans because Duke Endowment helped fund the building of them in rural North Carolina. And so a lot of churches look very similar because they are built on the same framework. And so I thought maybe this church just reminds me of a church that my dad served when I was a little boy or something. And so sure enough, me and my friend went into the building and immediately I was just struck by this overwhelming sense that I had been there before. But I was in Eureka. Who's been to Eureka? And so I knew that I had not been in that church before, and I'm like, it's beautiful. I mean, the woodwork, the detail inside of this small little United Methodist congregation. I mean, it building, it is beautiful, striking the stained glass windows. And I just kept having this overwhelming sense. I, and I started speaking to the people that were already gathered. I said, I just really feel like I've been in a church that looks just like this one. And they said, well, you could feel that way because we were featured in our state magazine a few years ago. And, And while I'm familiar with that magazine, I knew that was not it. I said, no, I promise. I feel like I have been in a church that is this church. And it wasn't until I walked to the back of the fellowship hall and I saw the pastor's study that I realized... I had been at that church. It had just been several years ago. In fact, it was back when I was in school at Duke Divinity School. The pastor in that church was also in school with me, and he had me come and to participate in, guess what? A revival. It had been over 10 years, and when you get to be my age, you start to forget some things, okay? And so I had completely forgotten that I had ever been in that space. However, being in that space... It was amazing because I was drawn back to the presence. The presence of God that I'd felt in that revival some 10 years before. That I seemingly had forgotten completely. And then I was really hoping 
that they had forgotten me as well because I knew that the sermon I was preaching that night might have very well been one of the sermons that I preached at that revival. Good news was I had lost a lot of hair in between those two times. And so I looked like a completely different person. But there was something about being in that presence, in that place. You know, there are certain places that we go to that immediately you feel the presence of God. There are certain places that we go to and immediately we recognize that there's something different. Maybe it's the awe-inspiring views of the mountains. For some, it may be the salt air of the beach. Maybe it's sitting out looking over a river or a pond or some form of body of water. Maybe it's gathering in a setting like this. To worship God, that we feel a presence that speaks to us, that transforms us, that just changes us. This summer, this month in particular, we're going through the Psalms, and we're calling it Songs of Summer. And so we've been looking at, as Pastor Corey said, the appointed Psalm of the day. And just last week, Pastor Corey led us through Psalm 111 and reminded us of, that we should always be in a posture of gratitude. And today we're continuing that with Psalm 84. These are the words of a pilgrim who is trans, has come to Jerusalem, maybe for one of the appointed feasts, one of the sacred times, and they're drawn to the temple. And as they have made that journey there, suddenly there within the courts of the temple, they feel that presence. They feel that transformation how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of your Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. As I was reading through this this week and preparing, I couldn't help but think that back in the mid-90s, Matt Redman, a, a songwriter, a praise and worship leader, wrote a song, Better Is One Day. And he took these words along with some words from some of the other psalms. And he wrote them in such a way that they might become a part of us. That wherever we go, we might be reminded of how lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints. For you. Those words, every time I, I sing them, every time I hear them, every time I read them, I am reminded of God's dwelling place. And for the psalmist, he's speaking specifically of a very specific location, the temple, recognizing that this is where God's dwelling place was. However, for Christians, we recognize that God's dwelling place is not consumed, not con contained to just one space, to one spot. We recognize that God's holy presence is within us. It's in our gathering. It's in the ways that we demonstrate his love, the ways that we demonstrate the compassion, the ways that we demonstrate the, the justice that our God beholds. And he beholds it through us and in us. And as we go through that psalm, we recognize that the psalmist, having come from this journey, having traveled his way there, he recognizes that something is different immediately when he's in the presence. 
And as he's recognizing that difference, that transformation that takes place, I love the line that it says, how my soul longs and even faints for you. Can you think of a time, can you think of a place that maybe your soul, your very core of your being longs or faints for something? You know, I think about when I go away on vacation, I love to go to the beach. I love to go travel wherever it is we get to go. But you know what I love most about vacation? The first night I get to sleep in my own bed when I get back home. It's not that I didn't enjoy being gone. It's just that there's no place like home. There's no bed like my bed at home. I find when I go away and I'm sleeping in a hotel bed or sleeping in in, in a town home, wherever it is we've gone, I find myself almost longing, desiring the comfort of my own home, my own bed. But then, thinking, continuing in this bed theme, I think about in the winter when it's cold outside of your bed covers and you're laying there in that bed and you got to get out of bed and you get out and it's freezing cold even if you've already turned up the heat. You, all you do, I don't know about you, but I long just to get back under the covers and I may confess and I might be the only person that have been known to after getting out of bed and starting my day having to crawl back under the covers just one more time to get warm once again. Anybody else? I think about it just this week. Uh, one of the days that it had been so hot, and imagine that, this week it was hot, and, and, and a thunderstorm had come over, and it cooled down the temperatures quite a bit, but the thunderstorm had gone on. Well, Jennifer and I decided, you know what, our neighborhood has a pool, and that since the thunderstorm was gone, we said, you know what, it's been a long, stressful day, let's go, let's go get in the water, because for me, there's just something about being in the water, if I'm just sitting there floating, just hanging out in the water, that is de-stressing for me. And so we decided to go down to the waters. And so as we went to the pool and we got in, the air temperature was a little bit cooler than the water temperature. And so once you got down into the water, if you stood back up, you know what, you know what that feeling's like, right? It felt a little bit colder because the air was cooler than the water itself. And so I found myself longing to be in the presence of that warmth. Our bodies, our soul, our faints, our heart faints and longs for the presence of God. And sometimes all we try to do is we try to almost ignore it. We try not to pay attention to it because, because we, we find ourselves caught up in, in life. Life gets so busy. And so in the midst of it, we may try to grow accustomed to being outside of the covers and being cold. Just get used to it. We may find ourselves drawing outside of the water, even though we long to still be in it. We may find ourselves pulled away. And I think that's what the psalmist is writing about. It reminds us of how our soul, my soul, longs and even faints for you. As he's made this journey from parts unknown, he knows he also is going to have to leave that place to go back home. And departing from what he has identified as the presence of God, that means he has to leave that place of special hope, comfort, peace, and strength. Back to the daily grind. 
Yeah, we all have things that draw us away from the presence of God. Sometimes it's work. We get so consumed in work, and maybe we want to devote ourselves to reading the scriptures in the morning. Maybe we want to devote ourselves to the next Bible study that's coming up. Maybe we want to participate in something like that, but work is so busy and consuming in our lives that we don't know how to get away from work to be able to focus on the presence of God. Or even we try to get away from work, and we start reading the scriptures or even praying, and all we can do is find ourselves turning back and thinking about all the things that we've got to do on our to-do list. You know, it's so easy for us to become distracted from seeking out the presence of God, the very thing that feeds us, nourishes us, and yet we find ourselves pulled away. Sometimes it's simply the busyness of family life. I know that in two weeks, my oldest son will be married. That's crazy to me. In two weeks. And so there's been busyness as we've been trying to go about planning the wedding and helping to be a part of making sure everything is going to be safe in the age of COVID. Great day that's made things a challenge. But sure enough, just yesterday, Jennifer and I had a chance to go and look at the wedding venue as it's going to be outdoors at an Arboretum in Raleigh. And we were able to try to figure out our way and making through and all the plans. And you know what? It's so busy that sometimes we forget that what it is that we're planning for. Get this. You, what a novel concept is a worship service that in the context of that worship service, two couple, a couple, two people are united as one. And we get so caught up in the busyness of life that we miss the fact that what's really taking place there is a sacred, a blessed thing, the presence of God. We get so busy in the things of our lives that pulls us away from God's presence which is the source of our hope, our strength, our peace. Sometimes we get pulled away in such a way that maybe, we, maybe it's been work that has taken us away for so long. Maybe it's been, we've been so busy and, and maybe those thoughts begin to consume us. Well, I've been away for so long, I don't even know what it would be like to come back into that presence. You know, when COVID hit uh, the other last year, <laughs> three years ago it feels like, when COVID hit last year, and the gyms shut down. Going to the gym in the morning was one of my things to try to do, to try to prepare myself for the day, working out, attending uh, to my physical fitness, and trying to be a part of that. But all of a sudden, couldn't go to the gym. And so, well, guess what? 20 pounds later. Now, I, in the midst of all that, I, I didn't fill that time with something else. So then when the gyms began to open back up, I started thinking, well, it's been so long. I don't want to go to the gym now. And you know, if you've been away from the gym for a while, you may go in and somebody will say, well, howdy, stranger. Been a long time since we've seen you around here, as I can tell. And you know, you don't want to hear that kind of thing. And so you are reluctant to go through those doors for the very first time. Dare I even say it sometimes happens in the church. Maybe we've been busy. Maybe we've been out doing things. Life. And sometimes we're almost waiting to come through that door, knowing that somebody's going to say, well, I haven't seen you around here in a long time, or they reintroduce themselves sarcastically to you. That's what we do, because we don't know how to handle it. But it's simply about coming back into that presence. And sometimes we find ourselves, we're so reluctant to break through that barrier to come back into the presence, because we've built up a narrative within our minds that maybe we're not welcome. Maybe we don't deserve it. Maybe it's that it's been so long that we don't even know how to start back. We build up these stories. 
As I was reading through the narrative of Psalm 84 and hearing as Pastor Corey read these words just once again, I was reminded of somebody else that experienced the strength and comfort of home, but had chosen, made a choice to, to depart, to leave. <laughs> Clearly, I, in my mind, I was thinking about the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son found in the Gospel of Luke. And in the, God, in the prodigal son story, we have a father has two sons. And one of the sons approaches the father and asks the father for his portion of the inheritance. Because he did not want to wait until his father's passing. And so the father gave him his inheritance. And the scripture tells us that he goes off and he spends every dime. Uh, depending on your translation, it might say something like he spent all of his money on loose living, whatever that's to mean. But what we know is there comes a point where a famine hits the land. And he begins to think as he's helping to feed the pigs of, a, of, of someone just to try to make a little something. He begins to think about how good it had been back home. He has this longing. He longs for the presence of his father. And ultimately he breaks down. And he goes back home. What I find is the joy that is there. Is not just when he's welcomed back home. But the joy of the father when he comes back into the presence. And in this psalm we are reminded that God seeks our presence. Even as much as we seek his. And when we come into the presence of God. We come and we are transformed. Our lives take a different approach. We begin to recognize that when we are drawn to the presence of God, we do so because we are claiming, we are professing that our lives are not our own, but they are lived under the wing of our King. Our lives, we profess when we come together in the presence of God, is that we are professing that insofar as we are powerful people, we are not powerful by our own might, but by the one who gives us power and strength. We profess that we are not here in the presence of God because of our own worthiness, but it is because the worth that God has placed upon us and welcomed us. We seek out the presence of God to be able to profess to a world that happiness is not in the endless pursuit of things, but in the pursuit of the presence of God. When I come back to the prodigal son, I'm reminded that as he thought about being able to come back and just being able to be even a servant to his father. That draws me to the conclusion of Psalm 84. Or better is one day. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist even writes that he would rather be a doorkeeper. The keeper at the door than to dwell in the tents of the sinful. God, God reminds us in these kind of words. And we draw close. Just one day in the presence of God is better than any day. A thousand days apart from his presence. So don't let there be anything that holds us back. Don't let there be anything that holds us back from drawing close to his presence, whether it means participating in a Bible study, taking intentional time to pray, finding those that we can gather in covenant with one another to uplift, 
Because when we seek out the presence of God, it is a presence that transforms the world around us. You have a place in helping to change the narrative around us. And that's when we seek out his presence and then carry that presence wherever we may go. Today, may we take hold of the presence of God, knowing the transforming power that comes from it. Let us pray. Lord God, today we are reminded of the good news that our destination daily and eternally, it lies in you. It lies in you, and that good news, it offers us that transforming power. That transforming power that offers us strength, hope, and love, so that we may carry that out into the world in such a way the world may know that you are here. Lord God, I thank you for the ways that you call us back into your presence. Whether we have strayed away or whether we have found ourselves busy in life that has taken us so far away. Thank you for welcoming us home. And as we come home, may we know that truly it is better to spend just one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus and through the power of of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.